Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. All right. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. These are the Dr. Dads coming at you. Dr. David Wardy, how are you, my friend? I'm wonderful, man. Another day in paradise. That's right. You know, it's it's an interesting time that we're living in, and every day seems like a sort of a, a new day and new information coming out. And then there's every day kind of feels a bit like Groundhog Day, too. So, But I tell you what, I mean, every week when we get a chance to speak, I'm always learning something new and and we're always stimulating our brains, which is part of the conversation today. Absolutely, man. You know, I, I tell the, you know, people that we talk about at the clinic, we're always talking about the podcast because they'll be like, oh, you know, I listened to this episode and that one and we're loving it. And I say, I'm loving it too because I learn stuff every time I get on there too. So it's a blast, man. Like this has yeah. been fun, like just jumping on every week, like you're saying. And whether we have a speaker or not, man, I'm always learning from you as well. So this mm, is yeah, good stuff. Versa. Well, it's funny. I had a patient that came in today and they said, oh, you do a podcast too? Like, do you, do you like doing that? And I'm like, yeah, I love it. I mean, it's it's taking an, an hour out of our day and we're learning new stuff that, that we learn, like you said, from each other, from the guests that we have. And, and you know, when I think about our parents' generation and I think about, you know, my, my wife's parents and I think like, my goodness, what are they going to do when they retire? Because all they know is the work that they're doing. Like, what does life look like as far as engaging the brain? You know, and, and part of our discussion, or I mean, our discussion today is, is about keeping that brain strong and adaptable and, and supportive and, and helping the, to support the neurointegration and the, the wiring of the brain and neurogenesis and new, new brain wiring production. Um, I think of our parents' generation, I wonder, like, I wonder if they have the excitement for learning like we have, or are we just sort of geeky docs that love to keep learning new things like what do you think is going on there in that generation well you know it's funny once you said that the first thing that came to mind was i've noticed that like older individuals like when they get into that retirement zone and when they're in that kickback mode and they're not working anymore you kind of see some individuals degrade really fast yeah totally Right. And then the yeah. ones you, you hear about this all the time, the ones that are always working or they're always involved and still having to use their brain every day, they actually live much higher quality, longer lives sometimes. And then you hear about those people just going in their sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure there's a little bit of in between there. But my point in case is like, do you think maybe we have to keep using this thing as we age, even though we're done to actually be healthy? Yeah. There might be something there. There's something there. <laughs> well, and, and think about the culture that we live in. It's, it's all about getting to retirement, getting to retirement. So let's get there as fast as we can so we can hurry up and die. You know, I mean, obviously that's not what people are thinking consciously. Well, but, some people do though, man. Like, yeah. I, I, I've had to have conversations with some of my older patients about, you know, just cause you're retired doesn't mean you're stepping into the grave now. Like you still mm-hmm. have a lot of life ahead of you and it's going to be what you want to make it. Yeah. But it's, so, it's, it's interesting how some people go into that mindset of like, Oh, I'm in my latter years and they start handicapping themselves. Mm-hmm. 
this is, I mean, this is important stuff, man. So I'm glad we're going to talk about this today. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good jumping point uh, or jumping point into this discussion is just the mindset around aging and the aging brain. And, and it's, you know, the Alzheimer's numbers scare the crap out of me to some degree. And, and just, just for those of you who may not know, it's expected that everyone's developing Alzheimer's as, as we're aging. And, but the numbers are, are meant to be one-on-one for, I think, I think there's this projected data of 2032 where there's this new projection of expectations for like cancer, autism, and Alzheimer's is in there. And it's, it's, it's literally everybody. So the, the message really is, is that if we don't use it, we lose it, you know, technically, metaphorically, and, you know, biochemically, physiologically speaking, that's exactly what's going on. It's the, this deterioration because of, you know, toxicity in the environment, all the things that we've teach uh, are taught on this podcast uh, in many different episodes. But it's also that the starting point is just buying into the fact that we deteriorate as we age. You know, what if we painted a different picture for ourselves? So I'd like to start sort of on mindset and then get into some more of the physiology of basic brain support. Um, well, let's start with paradigm, man. Yeah. I mean, you hit it on the head. That's usually where we have to start with some of these things, right? Yeah, let's do that. So like Dr. Nick is speaking to, you either believe that your body is self-healing, self-maintaining, self-regulating, or you believe that your body just kind of just gets beat to shit as you go through life, and then you're just kind of left with whatever's left over at the end. <laughs> it's a sad and picture. And it is a sad picture. Uh you know, when you were talking right now about the brain, I, I remember hearing a speaker, I think it was about three or four years ago, talking about how he said, you know, they've done some studies and shown that the human brain right around 40 years of age can be running at half its capacity already from when you're mm-hmm. younger. And I remember when I heard that guy and I thought, golly, like, think of all the individuals around their, their 40s that start to just slow down with everything. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't take care of this very, very, very important, you know, gland. And if we all understood a little bit more about this amazing gland that we have and what it does and what it's capable of, we'd probably take a little bit better care of it. And then understand that there are some things that we do have control over moving forward on this journey, right? Mm-hmm. To take care of it so that it takes care of us. Because honestly, it's running the show, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, with, with understanding that every gland organ tissue in the body has to interface with the brain, um, in order to, to perform its, its function, you know, this should be of, of great importance. I mean, this, I honestly feel like this should be something taught in schools at a young age, you know, even from like concussion protection and things like that, obviously that, which can be more common with kids sports and whatnot, but I feel like we, we should do a better job of, of brain education <clears throat> in the world we live in, especially with those kinds of statistics. Like if it's expected that everyone has some level of Alzheimer's that slowly develops, you know, the earliest of symptoms could be brain fog and fatigue and potentially eye strain and just, you know, just wearing out uh, easier as the day goes on. Like if those are some of the early signs, which it just means it's sort of insidious onset that, you know, most people can put their hand up and go, oh yeah, I've got brain fog. And for that to be so normalized and to not be considered as an important enough symptom to address now so that you're focusing on prevention as, as, you know, as your years go by so that when you do hit it in those retirement years, 
you can actually be proactive and, and realize that <clears throat> maybe there's more to life than just retirement. And maybe there's this whole, you know, purpose driven life that we can still live after retirement. And maybe we can still be in pursuit of happiness and our goals and our dreams, even though we're in those retirement years. Like what a change in perspective, you know, how many people wait their entire life to travel the world they wait for retirement and then all of a sudden all they're doing is using their finances that they built up over the, their years to just deal with the, the clinical terminal or chronic illness that they're dealing with. I mean, that's, that's such a common story and we've all allowed ourselves to believe that there's, we're waiting for this inevitable future where we're going to experience joy and bliss and freedom and vacation time only to realize that we get there and, and we're we're paying for it out of pocket and out of our retirement funds to try to heal ourselves and prevent ourselves from leaving the planet earlier than expected well i love that you're talking about the longevity piece man because that's, that's that's it right there man i mean that's a big piece of the puzzle is like what is that going to look like for you and you're right. Like, are you just going to believe what everyone else is telling you or actually science is showing us something different now? It's just a different process, right? There, there's a tension that needs to be put there. But also, man, I wanted to just mention on the other side of that, what's the quality of that look like? Mm-hmm. So our brain is also in charge of how we feel on a daily basis. Yeah. Are you in joy and happiness and are you up and have energy and feel good? Or are you depressed, and anxious and, you know, always down? So like, a lot of your brain health has to do with that as well. So what is that quality of your daily life look on this journey of longevity? What do you want that to be like? Cause you're saying in these latter years, we want to have all this joy in our life. Well, if we don't take care of our brain, it's going to be a little tough to do that. Right. Yeah. And that starts now with what we're doing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it, man. So how do you think, you know, just from a mindset point of view, how do we, help to encourage engage people i mean we obviously we feel like everyone should be listening to these podcasts because they're so informative but uh you know how do we get people to buy into the fact that you got to start as early as you can i mean diego's bouncing around behind you you know you want to start with your kids if you're a parent listening to this and then you obviously want to start with yourself now you don't want to wait for those symptoms to rise because once those symptoms have have started to arise you're you're focusing a little bit more on management than you are in prevention and it's really a sign when symptoms are there. It's been brewing for years. So getting that proactive mindset, take, I think creating a good vision of what you want your future to look like and not just wait for retirement, but try to focus in on living in the present moment as much as you can now. And, um, you know, I think, that's, I think that is like sort of step one is to, to reframe what it means to be healthy and what you want that vitality to look like in retirement years, but what are you going to, what kind of work are you going to do now and not just live from a hedonistic mind frame, like smoke the cigarettes, drink the beer, the alcohol party, you know, eat all those high fructose corn syrup beverages and sugar, you know, just because you're enjoying life and, and to, to the detriment of, of whatever future looks like, especially if you got kids, man, because you want to have energy for your grandkids and hopefully your great grandkids as well. You know, one of the bigger thing I'd say as a parent, when you have children is yeah, it does have to start when your kids are kids, you got to get on it and they've got to start doing things differently than you did probably. Yeah. But remember that your kids are watching you. So it doesn't matter what you say to them. 
you can't be sitting in front of your child and like eating bad food and sugar and stuff and then telling them they can't have it. And then when they're asking, well, why are you eating it? Do you honestly think your kid's going to grow up and not eat it when they watched you eat it? So there's a little bit of a gut call there for parents because I know a lot of parents that this is the story is yeah, they're, they are starting with their kids, but then they're, they're still eating some of that stuff. Yeah. So you have to create that picture of what you want your kids to see and be that person so that they can watch you. And that's what they're going to learn from because we learned from our parents. It was a learned behavior and we've had to unlearn a lot of things that we were taught, right? Some of these things, but I mean, be that example if you're going to do this is, is I would start with. So once you have that game plan, what that looks like, be that and then be that for your kids so that you can teach them moving forward what that's supposed to look like. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's jump into the next one, which I think is sort of going from that mindset into movement. Let's talk about movement and brain health. Essential for the brain, man. Uh, One of the easiest things I tell my patients three times a week, you have to do some form of aerobic activity for 30 minutes, just for your brain, not for anything else. I'm not even just saying just to be fit. Just get your butt on a treadmill, an elliptical, go for a walk. Like, I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. But for 30 minutes, three times a week, you got to be moving and doing something continuously. And this is honestly for brain because studies have shown that people that do this regularly in their lives have a lower incidence of Alzheimer's and dementia and some of these other things. Depression, anxiety, PTSD. Oh, man, buddy. Yeah. You felt, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast right now, on the days that you get up and you go work out and you start your day, I know you're going to tell me you feel better on those days and those days go better as a whole than the days that you don't do that. Yeah. Why? Because you're winding your brain up in the morning. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the beautiful thing that it does for us. And it's just so easy, right? It costs nothing. And you just got to move. And then we need that movement anyway, right? So get out there and wind your nervous system. Think of it as like you got to wind your winding toy and you got to wind yourself up three times a week. Yeah, I love that. You know, something that I experienced over the weekend, we were, we were away on, on vacation, family vacation. We, were, we went with some friends. And my, my buddy, he's an avid runner. I mean, this guy was telling me stories about his like 60K run or his 50K run. Like the guy that abuses his body, you know, it, to me on the outside, seemingly like he abuses his body through running. And um, I'm blown away by the monotony of running for that long and and the kind of like mental endurance and the physical conditioning that is required but I, I, so anyways this guy's a beast when it comes to running long distances and i and the of the four days we were there uh with them uh, i ran with him twice and we did you know our probably about hour long runs and he runs at a pretty good pace i don't run all that often i i do it for like much shorter time frames but it just reminded me of just what happens when you push yourself beyond your normal routine? And it was amazing. I mean, like you said, that euphoria that you get, there's something about doing something somewhat regularly or even just shocking the body with uh, a beyond your normal limit kind of uh, movement that just wakes you up in a way that's hard to describe. And that could be biking, I guess it could be swimming, it could be anything that's sort of pushing you beyond your normal zone. I mean, I think that that's the sweet spot for that BDNF, so brain-derived neurotropic factor, which increases with exercise. It's shown to, I think, increase more so with high-intensity interval training or or essentially even these longer endurance-type events because it's pushing you beyond what feels safe and normal. 
and uh, the euphoria that comes as a follow-up like you said for us when we talk about exercise for our patients it is mostly for brain health and uh so i just want to throw that in there of like challenging yourself you know don't just go through the motions but like be open to going a little bit past what you're comfortable with well, and I would lump in primal movement with that. And, mm. you know, as you're talking about the neurological effect that it has, I mean, look at primal movement. When you start moving your body in different movement patterns that you're not used to, one of the things that everybody will take, and like my brain's different. Like I feel just awake and like they just feel different. And it's because they're stimulating their nervous system. When you're doing those primal movements and you're taking your body out of the movement patterns that it is used to. So real quick, we have something called neuroplasticity and the way you move, believe it or not, will burn pathways into your brain and you're wired that way from all the movements that you make, whether it's that you do certain sports or you're a yogi or whatever. We wire all this stuff in through repetition But once you take your body outside of those movement patterns and you expose it to something new, your brain lights up, Mm. just starts lighting your brain up and you start to create new pathways. And this is something that we all need to be doing very regularly for our brain. So I love primal movement. I mean, just outside of doing the basic cardio, like we're talking, you know, Go on YouTube, look up Primal Movement. There's GMB Fitness. I mean, there's so much of this stuff out there now. And just start playing with how you move your body. Yeah. Move it in some capacities you've never done before for 15, 20 minutes. Then get up and see how you feel. You might be pleasantly surprised there. That was when I started that stuff, man. That's actually what I enjoyed about it more so mm-hmm. than just the physical piece. Yeah. I always felt more crisp up top after I would do some of those workouts. So yeah man for sure yeah, i love that you brought that in i mean you're the one who showed that to me and i remember implementing that a lot more regularly into my um into my workout routines and i and i you feel like you know when you're at a gym you kind of get these looks like what's that guy doing hopping around like a frog or a spider or monkey or a bear those are the ones you showed me and but yeah like you said there's there's something about orienting yourself in different ways and and encouraging different types of movement patterns that that you know technically kids do on their own without even thinking about it they just that's just how they move um but to be able to retrain your brain into that experience again powerful stuff and i mean yoga has some similar components to it but it's still it's 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 a different variation of it for sure but yeah so movement movement's significantly important and how many people just go through life you know, years, decades could go by without having somewhat of a regular rhythm for movement. Huge, huge. So we got mindset and movement already. Yeah. So next one we're talking about is hormones. Because we, you know, we talked about longevity and the aging brain and whatnot. So we have have to talk about hormone health. So here's here's some some interesting facts is that your hormones decline by 50% from age 25 to 40. So that's a pretty big drop. And that's, that's going to be a significant drop, especially for those on the, in the SAD diet, the standard American diet. People, as we said, who are not moving, they're more sedentary, and they've got that sort of um, hedonistic type of behavior where they're not thinking about setting themselves up for success down the road and uh, you know, working, working as they do throughout their day without thinking about you know, bigger visions and, and, and mindset and doing something to actively engage that process, there's a natural hormonal decline and it's gonna speed up in that, that kind of environment. 
Well, I have that conversation whenever longevity comes up, right? Because I tell people, look, because I always get the whole like, well, it's just, it's just age. Yeah, there are some things that you can use that argument. But Nick, what Nick is saying is we are in control of this a little bit. So you can either have this massive decline of your hormone health as you're pushing into the latter years and this, this, or it just slowly starts to drop off. And believe it or not, you're in control of that. So like Nick's saying, like, where's that mindset? Which, which path are you going to take? Because we've all seen this. Everybody, uh, I'll give you a quick, I think I've told you this story before. Like I met a guy my dad's age one time when I think my dad was like in his mid forties. This guy was my dad's age. And the guy mm. looked like he was 20 years older than my dad. Wow. And I remember asking my dad after we drove off, cause he had met him to give him something when I was younger. And I said, my, my dad's like, that guy, was he's my age. And I said, Dad, he looks like 20 years older than you. And he goes, that's what happens when you burn the candles at both ends, David. Mm. Like, I still remember that moment from my childhood. But, I mean, look at that, right? Totally. He didn't even look my dad's age. Yeah. I'm not even in the same ballpark. So, I mean, what you do on a daily basis, everybody, <laughs> you're writing <laughs> – you're writing out that story of what that's going to look like, like Nick's saying. So it's huge. Well, it's massive. And, and I mean, another, I mean, on that, to that point is, you know, one of the things that we tell our patients is that you don't have a hormone problem. Your hormones are a result or an effect of, of your circumstances, of how you're adapting to your environment, how you're challenging your body, your physiology. It's just a response. It's not an underlying cause of anything. It's just constantly responding. So if that, if we understand that, then we can do something to, you know, slow down the deterioration and we can do things that actually massively ramp, ramp things up so that we actually, that cascade um, of, of dropping may be the norm for people, but it doesn't have to be your experience. And uh, so there's lots of things obviously that we can do about that. But let's talk about some of the, some of those hormones. So we've got growth hormone, testosterone uh, for women, estrogen, progesterone, um, uh, those are all repair hormones, right? Oh, totally. They're anabolic. They're building muscle. They're um, supporting, obviously, their circadian clock, and they're uh, obviously the repair of the immune system, brain function. They're, they're affecting the neur neurological repair in the brain. I mean, they're, they're significantly important. And, you know, talk about brain fog and things like that. It's very common uh, for even women in that perimenopause, menopausal zone where they start getting super brain foggy. They, maybe they've had one or two kids or more. And their, their hormones have gotten a little bit more of a butt kicking than, than, than say, someone else who hasn't been through those experiences. And they're going to feel it a lot more. That hormonal imbalance is going to be more extreme in those kind of circumstances. And men are in the same boat. You know, men might be experiencing ED, erectile dysfunction, or low libido, or low vitality, or uh, decreased, you know, just physical performance and conditioning or just sense of self starts to, do, to go down. Like these are all signs that your hormones are getting, you know, smashed up. Well, and another way to look at that, man, and an easy way that I simplify it sometimes when I talk to people is we're next talking about all these healing hormones, repair hormones. When you're overstressed and there's too much interference on your brain, your nervous system, you don't have any of those hormones doing their job. They're all being blocked by all the other hormones that you don't want in abundance in your system. Your body cannot heal when it's in emergency defense mode. So since we're talking about the brain, 
you know, if you are there and you are experiencing like the brain fog, like Nick says, and you're noticing these shifts, whether you're a male or a female, then there's already interferences that need to be dealt with. Yeah. And like Nick is saying, it didn't, you didn't just get there when you started having the symptoms, most likely years of this have been going on. So you can't just think, well, what have I been doing lately? Right. It's like, well, what, what does that picture look like for the past maybe five, six, seven years? What have I been doing? Right. Cause I've experienced those things, man. Oh man. Totally. But but when I think about those periods, when I struggle with some of those things really bad in my life, I was in a boatload of stress. Yeah. Like a lot of stress. I mean, you've seen that picture of me. I I was just thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) I experienced a lot of what you just said during that period when Clarissa had gotten sick and I was still dealing with all that, man. Yeah. Um, And think about that. That could have been the rest of your life. Oh yeah. Easily. Right. Like you, uh, you have the tools, you have the desire to not live that way, but think about how many people get stuck there. And, and this isn't pointing fingers or faulting anyone. Um, this is just, you know, maybe a lack of knowledge, a lack of drive and just, it's, it's an addiction and you just get stuck in your habitual patterning and it just becomes your reality. And you think that, well, there's nothing else that's possible for me. So it's, we, we get it and we see it on a regular basis and there's a way out of it too. Well, and I, I, did, I did a post the other day. Oh, did I love that, that post. post. Yeah, it was awesome. And that is perfect time, right, to, to bring that up. So yeah. I posted something on social media, and I think I put it on the Dr. Des, and it was yeah, the, the whispers, right? Yeah. yeah. If you listen to your body when it whispers, then you won't have to hear it scream. So really what Nick's talking oh, to is like, how in tune are you with listening to your body and then being honest with yourself when like it's like a daily thing or a weekly thing where we're having symptoms that you haven't had before. That's just an alarm going off your brain telling you, hey, I need you to do something here. Like what you're doing mm-hmm. is not working. We need to make some changes here. So you got to be good at listening to those whispers. Yeah, that was such a good. Did you did you come up with that quote? I did not. I have yeah. to say, unfortunately, I saw it on some other chiropractors' uh, social media, but I, okay. it was a good reshare, it's man, because so it, good. it's so true and it needs to be said over and over, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, taking that hormone function back to the brain, well, it's essentially when you're reading hormones, it's kind of like, it's kind of like reading the brain to some degree because it's your brain that's telling those glands what to produce, how much. You know, and so as you said before, when we're under chronic stress, the brain's perceiving that chronic stress and is sending the signals to block those rebuilding repair hormones and it's sending out the fight or flight hormones instead. So, you know, it's a measurement whenever we, we do our, you know, just like you, whenever you're doing your hormone testing, we have to take into consideration that this is a communication system that's coming from the brain through the perceived stress of the environment. Uh, down into those uh, you know physiological range numbers that we're looking at and it has a huge impact and then the other side of it which we've talked you know a number of times about is is detoxification and the blunting of the receptor sites and you know the poor communication as a result of toxicity Um, uh, I don't know if we need necessarily need to go directly into that in relation to hormones but we should talk about toxicity in relation to brain health well I mean yeah we do need to talk I mean it goes both ways right that's yeah. a, it's a, it's a stress. It's an interference. If you're yeah. living a lifestyle where you're constantly have toxicity, toxic insults, like every day of things that you can control, but you're not, and you're just like lacing your system every day, your nervous system has to deal with that. And it's, it, it, it interprets that as stress. Yeah. 
as biochemical stress, everybody. So yeah, that can be screwing up with your hormones. Big time. You know, I was laughing as you were talking about when we run hormone panels and what that's actually looking like. And hey, everybody, it doesn't mean you need more hormones and you need to go to the pharmacy and get them. That's not what we're looking at. Like what yeah. Nick's saying is it means that you need to make adjustments in your lifestyle if we're upside down here, yeah. which is probably, I would say, 99% of the case, right? That's always going to be a piece of the puzzle. Some people totally. do need some hormone replacement to help a little bit, yeah. but then at the end of the day, the bulk of that is what? It's what they're doing. Totally. And, you know, toxicity, I mean, me and Nick talk about this all the time, but there's a reason we talk about it all the time because it's a real deal. Yeah. And it would explain why people drop their hormonal production so greatly. I mean, the longer we live on this planet, the more we're going to bioaccumulate, you know, the more glyphosate that we're exposed to, which we know is, I mean, it's direct mechanism in the body is to prevent proper protein synthesis. So you're literally not making the proper amino acid communication structures into these protein segments that we need for enzymes and we need for, um, well, neurotransmitters that we need for everything. So all your building blocks, right? All your building blocks. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's just, and that's just one of the myriad of different toxicants that we get exposed to. I mean, that's, that's a pesticide or herbicide, but there's plastics, there's heavy metals, there's people who've had the dental work and the, I mean, just the the proximity of the dental work to the brain. I mean, I mean, there's so many different exposures to toxins, and you know that we go back to like the original discovery of mercury toxicity. Toxicity is the Mad Hatter, uh, and the, the, these these felt hat makers used to use mercury to bind the the, the hats together, and, and they would develop all sorts of different types of neuroses and and massive psychosis as a result of this chronic ongoing exposure to mercury. So. I mean, aluminum is a massive uh, connection to Alzheimer's dementia, uh, autism as well. Um, and then we've got lead and, and obviously mercury, as we said, but there's a ton of other heavy metals as well. And all of these things become really, I mean, mer mercury literally is probably the most neurotoxic, meaning brain toxic chemical known to man. Uh, so these things are unfortunately we get exposed to them quite frequently, more so, way more so than we should. Well, and, and it's kind of disheartening as I'm hearing you, but you have to do your work, everybody, because you're getting, it's not a question of if, like Nick's talking, it's how much of this yeah. stuff you're getting hit with. It's not if, it's how much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I know what our home play is going to be today, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, ta uh, that's, a, that's a biggie, man. That's yeah. a biggie. Yeah. And I mean, not to jump down, I mean, we don't need to get into a vaccine discussion, but just to just to put some basic numbers after the 70 some odd injections for, from the childhood vaccine schedule, it's expected you get around 12,000 micrograms of aluminum. I mean, that's a that's a hefty, hefty dose. I mean, this is this is from data that, that uh, RF Kennedy Jr., has shared many times. I mean, these are, it just takes people to look up some of these regular, more frequent exposures. But I mean, there's, there's things that's w so far beyond what's acceptable in the human physiology. And it's understood that, you know, this stuff just, you know, you just pee it out or you poop it out and it doesn't go anywhere because it gets out of the blood. That's all they're typically measuring. But this stuff gets into your brain. It gets in the tissues. We know that. And, and science is showing that. So even on autopsy reports, looking at 
you know, uh, Alzheimer's dementia patients are seeing massive accumulations of aluminum in the brain. So yeah, the toxicity piece is, is significant. We all need to know our sources from cookware to cleaning products to, you know, things that are getting put in or on our bodies. Uh, I think we all have to take responsibility for decreasing that, that burden as much as we can. Yeah, the people that make these products, everybody, they're not necessarily looking out for you. So you have to look out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we didn't mention water, but, you know, that's uh, another thing, you know, just frequent, you know, filtering of your water just is, is a big part of uh, decreasing toxic burden. So, and, and there's tests for that. I mean, Dr. David and I both run very regularly heavy metal tests to find out someone's toxic burden. And we encourage anyone with, you know, ongoing symptoms, fatigue or, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or brain fog, um, headaches, mm. depression, anxiety. I mean, these are all reasons to look for uh, heavy metal toxicity exposure. Massive, man. Yeah. So what's okay. next? Neurotransmitters. <laughs> Neurotransmitters, yes. Yeah. It falls in line with uh, the hormones. Yeah. So we all know about um, serotonin, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine. Um, there's lots of... GABA, glutamate. GABA, yeah. Oxytocin sort of thrown in there, although it's also a hormone. Um, but all these things need to, you know, bind to the receptor sites in the brain and they 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 have a role on how we feel, our 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 behavior, um, our desire for movement or connection or or addictions like dopamine, constantly checking the phone. Um, they play such an extensive role. And, uh, you know, one of the areas that I, I get most intrigued when in is, is something you, you and I talk about a lot with these neurotransmitters is that flow state. You know, <clears throat> there's a, it's such a beautiful uh, Stephen Kotler in his book, Stealing Fire. Amazing, amazing book because it talks just about how there's synergy of neurotransmitters need to come together or they, that's the physiological aspect of flow state or biochemical or neurochemical uh, process where anandamide and, and serotonin and epinephrine and endorphins and dopamine, all these like the synergy of these neurotransmitters that come together to put you into this, what's, what he refers to as hypofrontality where you get into this higher brain function uh, state where you, where you move into this place of flow. And this happens with exercise, with being creative and, you know, doing your craft and maybe it's painting or meditation or, you know, uh, biking, doing, doing your downhill biking and the mountain biking that you guys took me on Laguna. Um, there's lots of different ways to activate this. And so Dude, that was a nice flow high after that. Huh? Oh man, huge. And yeah. that's, <clears throat> that kind of takes us back to that original, original discussion on exercise is so important for brain health, right? So yeah, let's talk a little bit about the neurotransmitters. So, again, like Nick was talking earlier, a lot of these are being created upstream. We have some of these in the gut and other places in the body. But, you know, your nervous system is writing this beautiful chemistry of these things all the time. And, again, like what Nick's speaking to is there has to be this beautiful balance based off what we're doing in our lives to allow these things to be in harmony all the time. Yeah. And when we're not doing really what we're supposed to do, man, will your body let you know very quickly that things are going wrong, right? So, buddy, anxiety. Mm. How many people suffer with anxiety now and depression? Yeah, yeah. which drives them towards addiction, right? Food and Oh, yeah, and, then, and it just cascades, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. or just let's just talk about a physical injury where you're hurt and let's say it affects your journey. Yeah. It can lead to depression and anxiety. 
everything kind of funnels that way, interestingly enough, when you mm. have stress in the body, right? Totally. And, you know, these neurotransmitters, like a, like a simple one that I, almost every day I have to talk about is this relationship of like glutamate and GABA and our vagus nerve and the gut-brain axis and how just like central nervous system uh, reactivity plays in your body's ability to keep some of these major ones in balance. So many people yeah. are just anxious because they've lost reactivity of their autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. They just kind of blew out. They're overstressed, right? So these are constantly in control, everybody, of literally how you're feeling on a daily basis. Do I feel great today? Do I feel up and happy and joyous? Or am I feeling down, depressed, and anxious? And and, and am I easily stressed that day? I mean, all these things are kind of what we're speaking to right now. And your brain's kind of right, right in the show a little bit here. Back thing that Nick is saying from the mindset exercise to, you know, toxicity effects our neurotransmitter health, our digestive health with our gut function, like, it goes on and on. But we are in control of most of these is what I can honestly tell everybody listening right now. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is all fixable. There's not a pill that fixes this. You know, how many people do you see, brother, that come in and they are been on meds for how long? But they haven't done anything to address their lifestyle, and they're still just as anxious and as depressed as they were when they got on that medication. So there isn't a pill replacement for these things. You have these imbalances, everybody, because there's things going on on the inside that need to change. Mm -hmm. There's not an outside answer for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm so glad you brought it back to responsibility again because that's that's just it. You know, we... Same with the hormones, you know, your neurotransmitters are constantly just responding to the environment that you're, you're incorporating. You know, there's, there's fascinating research even show the types of microbes that are in our gut as a result of our monotype diets that we eat, you know, uh, on a very regular basis with all that diversification. We create microbes that support, you know, problematic balances in our neurotransmitters. I mean, it's, it's, it, when when we step back and look at this bigger picture, we're like, oh man, this all makes sense. It's just so obvious. You just have to find homeostasis and and constantly challenge your body into adaptation to encourage the best possible outcomes. Because diversity in microbes is going to make better diversification in hormones and neurotransmitters and you know enzymatic breakdown in your liver and everything else. Like it's beautiful when we look at this this philosophy that you and I are just so dialed into and we can see all these things kind of coming together and, and it gets us out of that tunnel vision for health. Like, Oh, you know, I did a test, my neurotransmitters are low. I just got to focus on that. Everything's gonna be better. Well, no, like let's ask why let's just constantly, well, why is that there? You know, we got to be like Diego and Soren and kind and just go, well, why is that going on? You know, why is that happening? Why is that there? And, and we, we have to, and then we have to be willing to do something about it because it's one thing to go, Oh yeah, these are low. Maybe I'll ask why, but then are you willing to, to, to make some changes? You know? So when we talk about um, just cause we're getting close to the end, uh, we hit some really important points and we, and the reason we want to talk about brain health is because over the next couple podcast episodes, we've got some really cool biohacking technologies, which is a whole another area of brain health that we're going to be uh, interviewing some, some experts on, uh, which we'll save for the details for those uh, specific episodes. But what about maybe as like a sort of finishing point, just basic supplementation. What do we like to do to support brain health for people? Again, 
keeping in mind that we've taken some <clears throat> active steps towards the things that we first initially spoke to, but what are some good brain supportive tools? Well, the first thing, man, is omegas right off the bat. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the top of the list. Um, you know, outside of that, man, like when I, when I like to support the brain, I really look a lot to, to boosting mitochondria. I mean, that's really kind of the two things I've really enjoyed. And I almost every single person I need to support brain is omegas and, and uh, something that upregulates mitochondrial function. We have the highest density of mitochondria in our brain, our heart, and our kidneys. Mm-hmm. And, and if so, you're a woman, ovaries. Yeah, and woman yeah. ovaries, right? So, like, I mean, you really think about that, everybody. This is density. I mean, me and Nick have talked about these things over the past podcasts. And so your brain only has so much energy every day. And so if it's running out of gas, so are you. And so is everything else that has to do. Right. And this is a lot of times where people are struggling. So yeah, a good mitochondrial supplement, um, does wonders, man. I also like a SIA for the brain, Mm. a redox molecule supplement. It just helps the nervous system get more connected. So what I noticed with that, not only do I get an upregulated mitochondria, but the communication improves because of the redox. Cause I mean, we're talking about communication, right? With the brain. So whatever it is going on with the brain, you just need to make sure that that, that communication is, is clear. Yeah. Can you, can you break down redox for people? Cause that might, this might be the first time they've heard <laughs> us talk about redox, but it's so okay. important. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just simplify it real quick. So uh, just imagine a cell in your body that's inflamed, but every cell in your body is inflamed. So think of like a fire on the membrane of your cell. Okay. So I like to use the analogy of we have receptors on this membrane and these receptors are like doors. They have to open and close all the time. But when we have cellular inflammation systemically and all of our cells are inflamed, these doors do not open and close very well. They get, they slam shut. So then we can't hear our hormones. We can't hear our neurotransmitters at a certain level. And like Nick's saying, there goes your ability to build all the building blocks you need in your body for your body to function. It's not getting the messages from the brain that it needs to do its job. Remember, everybody, your body is unconscious and the brain is conscious. So the brain's telling it what to do. So redox molecules are pretty amazing. Um, so what this stuff does is the moment you give it to the system, it calms the fire down on your cell membranes. So then all of a sudden your, your antennas, your receptors on your cells actually start working and those doors start opening and closing better. So why is something as simple as that so important? Well, it's kind of just said it in what, how I described it. If those receptors aren't working and those doors aren't open and closing, your body is not functioning at all. It's not really doing the way it's what it's supposed to. So redox molecules allow the system to stay in this clear functional space where at least we're getting reactivity at the cell to the brain and that, and that messaging. You know, it's funny. I do a test on people for this to show them uh, what's going on. And for like a SIA, I'll have a muscle test. Uh, 20, they have to do 15 repetitions of a contraction, like on a deltoid, for example. And if they can't do 15, I'll give them a little bit of the ASEA redox and I'll go back and they could do like 60 or 80 if they wanted to. And the patients will look at me like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing anything. All I did was open the body's communication better. And it's actually talking to itself better. So 
we have another one called ion. It used to be called restore for the gut. Another redox mm -hmm. molecule enhancing communication in the microbiome. So it's doing this very same thing, but for the bacteria within our microbiome, allowing our bacteria to have clear, concise, precise communication. Because all your bacteria have to know what jobs they have, what they're supposed to do, just like the cells got to be able to carry out instructions from the brain with hormones and neurotransmitters. So these things assist massively with communication in the body. They just open it up. It's, it's there. It does. But hey, those are probably, I call those lifers in mm -hmm. my clinic. Because if I had to put anybody on two things, it would be a CIA and ion. Mm -hmm. Cause it just says it does so many things for the basic function of communication in the body. Yeah. I love that you started talking about redox molecules because it's such a poorly, like up until, I don't know, four or five years ago, I didn't really pay much attention to what that even meant. And, but it's, it's role in mitochondrial health is, I mean, it's oh, yeah. foundational. It's foundational. You could throw molecular hydrogen into that. Yeah. Fast tonic is so the one. Fast tonic. Yeah. yeah. So there's another one, right? Yeah. So you have three heavy hitters right there, one for your gut, one for the whole, and then two for the whole system that you can either on and off throughout the year, which is kind of what I do. I always take ion. Yeah. I'll cycle a SIA and the hydrogen on and off throughout the whole year because it's yeah. just keeping me more connected all the time. Because totally. remember, everybody, you have vital function demands. And number one is communication, two is resources, three is response, four is reactivity. But if that communication is not always good, none of the other ones are going to be doing their job. So again, how do you support that communication? Redox. So good. So let's, let's summarize some of those nutrients. You see omegas, like proper ratio of omega-6 to 3. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll break down on a future podcast a little bit more about cell membrane health with, in relation to omega-6s and, and, that, and that ratio. But those are super important. Uh, we said the redox molecules and mitochondrial health or mitochondrial-based supplements, um, and which, which could include Fastonic, Asia, uh, Ion. Um, was there another one that you said? Just those two so far. What do you got? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would add to that list uh, just full spectrum amino acids. You yeah. know, building everything foundational from enzymes and neurotransmitters to the repair aspects of those receptor sites uh, at, at, at the cellular level, at the neuro neurological level. I, I love amino acids for for brain health. Well, and anybody over forty, that should be a daily. Yeah, it's for muscles too, right? Yep. Everyone I literally knows. have I literally have those things sitting on my back counter. You can see oh, the yeah. seal bottle. Yeah. There's a perfect amino. <laughs> like, I just those are just standard things. You know, it's funny. Like this is a little sidetrack, but when our kids get sick, I'm sure you're the same way, David. Like first thing we do, we give them a store. We give them the acia, like plugging this stuff in regularly because yep. you know I don't even think I and vitamin C. I mean, of course, that's sort of a no brainer. But um, I think more about how do we get the communication system working more effectively first. Yes. And then we can start throwing in some of the herbs or whatever else. But yeah, I check Diego immediately. I check his Vegas for NIS if he's starting to get sick, because I know that if that thing's not functioning, that, that his immune system's not doing its job. No, so, no. I mean, yeah, we start with communication. I mean, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then what else I got? I mean, th there are some other products that have some like brain specific uh, physiological support like neurosin from systemic formulas is a great one. Uh, it has a lot of, yeah, it has a good amount of alpha GPC, which is 
uh, alpha glycerophosphatidylcholine, which is basically the building block for acetylcholine, all like the, the ground neurotransmitter, but it's also supporting myelin sheath and um, anything that supports neurological function like B12 and, and some of those other things are great too. And carnitine, again, a lot of this stuff goes back to mitochondrial health to be, to be honest, but um, alpha GPC and, and that neurocin are, are great, great tools. And then those also target a little bit more into the pituitary gland too, uh, mm-hmm. which again, that's communication and regulation. So there's, there's lots more supplements, but those are some of our, our favorite, unless you've got any to add to that list. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking we probably need to have like a brain biohack episode where we talk <laughs> about some of the things we'd like to get better performance out of our brain. Yeah. How we can target those things. But the reason we're not everyone is because those all come after you do all the basic things right. And then those hacks actually do amazing things once you got your foundation. So true. I had a, I had a buddy call me or text me the other day, asked me about nootropics and he's, he wanted a, another nootropic recommendation. But then, of course, my first question is, well, are you doing all these other things right first? And of course he wasn't. But yeah, man, I mean, those things have a place. But like, like I'm saying with Nick is you got to be doing all the other stuff we're talking about first. And then they do amazing things. On, it's, it's a supplement. It just kind of makes things better. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. And I think it's a good place to finish because that is so common. I mean, we get, as you can imagine, I mean, those of you listening or maybe you've seen us, but people come in all the time asking for the treatment, right? Because we just have this view of health that I just need that thing from outside as David was speaking to in order to fix the situation. And they're looking for the nootropics or the microdosing or or all these things, but they haven't set up the proper garden inside the body to receive and help that thing grow and, and to create, you know, massive action in the body. And so we can't, we can't recommend enough that you got to, you got to start from the ground up and then, and then these treatments become so effective and then just, they become that extra two to 10% improvement. And, uh, but without that foundation, you know, maybe you're having an experience, maybe you're not. And then you, you just sort of throw it off. Like, well, I tried that. I spent 50, 60, 70, hundred dollars on that supplement didn't work for me. So I'm going to move on to something else now. So you, you really do need to build that foundation for to receive that, that proper treatment. And what is that? That's the whisper, right? Yes, absolutely, man. No shortcuts. Nope. No, no. not. We've tried, we've tried, right? <laughs> yeah, I have tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> I've tried by trying, by helping my wife overcome an autoimmune disease for 10 years. So yeah. I, I know that, that, I know what the reality of that is. But. Oh, man. And, and you know, like as a doctor sitting there and seeing the, you know, the discomfort in the patient's eyes and, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm not saying I can say any names, but I'm thinking of, uh, of someone that been helping out recently and I can see them constantly search, but there must be that thing. There must be that thing that's going to make me feel like how I used to feel. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I so deeply want to say like, well, there just, there just isn't that thing. Well, and I do say that, but, uh, but I, I try to say it as a gentle as way possible that there is not that thing. You have to prepare the garden. Like, you know, it's like the field of dreams, build it and they will come. Right. Yeah. You, you got to do that work. And there's like really no other way around it. And people get so stuck on I used to be this way. I used to be a high functioning individual. I used to be able to perform, you know, such and such and such. And, and now like after these 
sequence of events. Now, like everything's kind of shut down. I've been this way for months and I've got to get back to where I was. And I always say like, listen, what if we could create a new version of you that you don't yet know yet? What if we could introduce you to that version of yourself through getting back to the basics, creating homeostasis and see what, see what grows from there. You may just surprise yourself because it's so common that people will want to get back to how things used to be. And that's not the direction. We can't go backward. We got to go forward. Well, and I would, and to second to what you're saying, man, I would tell people how you heal, what that's going to look like is probably nothing the way you were thinking it's going to look like. Yeah. And like Nick's saying is it's more of a mode of creation than looking for the shortcut or the magic therapy or fix. It's like, what can I create moving forward to remedy all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's interesting as you're talking, cause like we see people every day and we work on them and that journey for everybody is so different, right? Mm-hmm. It's so different. There's no cookie cutter recipe. No, it's so <laughs> different for every individual. Yeah. And I, I, w- I would probably be safe to say that most people that we help, they're like, wow, I didn't think it would be this way that I got better. Mm-hmm. But you know, it does. So it is we're all unique we're all very unique man yeah yeah i mean there's 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 just to maybe finish this line off is that on this idea of individualistic healthcare, is that we're about 99 point whatever percent the same genetically but we're like two percent the same or maybe i'm not sure if i got that exact number right but uh microbial microbiologically speaking we're Mm -hmm. so unique in our unique makeup of our microbiome uh, diversity And so that's the epigenetic switch. That's the thing that's communicating to those cells to say what kind of environment our bodies are in. And that like you're different, even from twins, like you're so different uh, in that microbiome. And so that how you do with that supplement or that nutrition plan or whatever, whatever, there's no one size fits all for any therapeutic, whether it be conventional pharmaceutical to all the way down to alternative and, and, you know, woo woo medicine. <laughs> Very true, man. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Cool. All right, people. Well, that's, I think that's a good wrap on, on some of these core foundational supportive systems that we need to do in order to optimize brain function, brain health, brain repair. And speaking of brain repair and neurointegration and, uh, we mentioned previously that we're going to have a couple amazing guests on that are sharing, how they utilize these biohacking tools, uh, the TCD Clear, which is a neurofeedback or brainwave entrainment tool, and then something called BrainTap, which both David and I recently added into our clinics. So we're excited to have those conversations. Pumped. And here's our home play for today. So the first three things that me and and Nick focused on were mindset, movement, and toxicity. So these are three really easy places to start. Once you start thinking about your paradigm, mindset about all these things, what's it looking like for that journey? Number two, are you moving enough? Start doing some cardio three times a week, 30 minutes, maybe some primal movement stuff for 15 to 30 minutes, you know, three times a week. Start seeing how you feel. And then toxicity. Why don't you start assessing what your toxic load is? I want you to look on the inside of your house and your office and your car, the soaps, the lotions, the shampoos, the food you eat. Just start digging into everything and, and look to see how much more you can clean, clean that up. Yeah. 
awesome. and that's a, just a great place to start. Such good home play. Buddy, this was a blast. It was. Yeah, these sort of off the cuff, uh, we, we, like David and I come up with a, a basic plan for when him and I are coming together. Often we have got some ideas beforehand, but today was kind of like, oh, we need to set the stage for, for brain health. And again, this is why we love doing these podcasts because we learn so much and it's great to get these ideas out and share with all of you that are tuning in. So uh, we love the support and sharing and, and uh, we're, we're going to keep on bringing it because uh, we love hanging out with each other. So <laughs> yes. And thanks for listening, everybody. It's been a blast. Yeah, totally. Okay. All the best to you, brother. We'll see you next week. Love you, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.